glass, I'm pretty and Welcome to Season 4 of the Barfly Podcast. My name is Jeff Berger, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group and author of the books 20 Years Behind Bars and its sequel, Parole Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Blum, editor of the online entertainment hub, The Marine Dish. So sit back and enjoy our little peek behind the hospitality industry crew. Oh, and don't forget to... Have a drink on me. We are delighted to have Donna Seymour on the podcast today. Donna is the owner of Cucina, the popular Italian restaurant, cocktail bar in San Selmo. Welcome, Donna. Thank you so much. On your website, you write uh, neighborhood. Is it the people that define it or maybe the gathering places that define, you know, within it? I kind of wanted to delve into that about like community. You guys seem to participate and support a bunch of local events, live on the avenue and things like that. I wanted to see like how that works out. I mean, what's the impact of community on your business and what do you think your business has an impact on the community? I would say that community has always been very important to me. I moved here when I was pregnant with my first child, looking to get out of San Francisco, looking for a more, a smaller, more welcoming community. I grew up in Napa Valley and I was kind of looking for a spot like that for my children. And I really felt like we found that here in San Anselmo. So it was really important to me that we were very involved in community and are very involved in community, whether that's supporting the schools. I was very active in my kids' schools, room parent, Mm -hmm. teacher appreciation lunches, all that kind of stuff, donations, of course. San Anselmo Rec, I sponsor a lot of teams. I just always feel like giving back is just the best way to embrace where we are and really feel a sense of belonging. I think that that goes both ways because I've been here for 24 years and we're kind of a mainstay. We're, we're well known. We've been part of the community for a long time. We participate in as many local businesses and fundraising events that we can. I just really, it's really important to me to be giving back. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's sort of a win-win, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know? And then how did it go? Well, not that we're officially out of COVID, right. but I think we're on a better side of it. How did you work with the community during that time? And I know you guys put out like open a parklet, but, uh, and then I think you were doing cocktails to go and yep. things like that. Yep. So how, how did that work? Obviously for everyone, COVID was a big, huge shift mm-hmm. in, in reimagining what business looked like. In the beginning, we were completely closed to any indoor or outdoor dining. So we started actually, we started to go cocktails the first week of COVID. I mean, I started buying hot sauce bottles and we were mixing 30, 40, 50 cocktails a day. And that really was huge and impactful in keeping us busy and working. And the community totally responded to that. We were putting it out on our website. We were putting it out on Facebook. We've been here so long and the community just really appreciated all of our efforts. Mm -hmm. At the time we were working, we went from our regular schedule to seven days a week. I was here every day. (laughs) My bartenders were here every day. We were bottling cocktails like crazy. We were offering them $12 a piece for for 40 bucks. I mean, Mm -hmm. we we definitely contributed to the drinking binge of COVID. (laughs) (laughs) for better or for worse but what was beautiful about it too is we had customers who would order it sounds crazy 30 or 40 cocktails but they would go and drop them off at their friends houses and then they'd have like zoom meetings and they'd have virtual happy hour together which i think really helps people feel connected because everybody you know staying at home and being so alone and totally not 
human nature is to be social of our, our DNA. We need to, to interact with people. And that's a large part of the restaurant business. This is what I love about it. So to be able to kind of put that forward and have an opportunity for people to really just even get together on a silly Zoom call, I think it just helped people mentally. And then we had a lot of older people too who've been coming to us for years and completely homebound. And even when restrictions got lighter, we had outdoor dining and then we had indoor and outdoor and then we had that all went away, changed so many times. But we had a, a large amount of customers that were in their 70s and 80s that could not leave their home. And mm-hmm. at first we tried to do delivery. That was pretty difficult staff-wise, but there were certain people. We had this one well, lovely couple. Whoever was around, my busser, my food runner, anybody, would take food to them every week, You're every kidding. week for wow. months and months and months. And they were wonderful. I did a GoFundMe page for my employees because although I didn't let anybody go, my entire staff continued to work. Everybody's hours were reduced, of course, and mm-hmm. tips weren't what they were normally used to. So we did a GoFundMe, and the community was huge. They so gracious and generous. It was really wonderful because it happened right before Christmas, and so I was able to give money to all of the staff that has been, had been sticking it out and, and waiting on these people and doing whatever we could. It was a nice gesture. You know, it's interesting how like, a pillar of the community, literally. I mean, it's an overused term, obviously, but but you guys literally are a pillar of the community. You're Thank right you. here on Seven Samuel Avenue, right there, right next to the creek, and you have this long-standing tradition because you've been here 25 years, and that makes a huge difference. I think what I've noticed during the pandemic was that a lot of these newer restaurants that don't have those kinds of connections mm. that were mainly turn and burn kind of things, they struggled through it because they didn't really have those connections, nor did they really want them, and so it's kind of been a reset in the restaurant business COVID is mm-hmm. where like you said you had to reevaluate but in some ways a lot of good stuff came out of that for like, sure for instance I think your park the parklets stay, right? absolutely yeah will that be staying it will be staying Yay. yeah we That's finally awesome. got voted Yay. to stay which I'm relieved for because it, it was also hugely impactful for us because we went to a point where again they took away indoor dining I don't remember at what stage we were at it's all sort of you know, <laughs> blur. Blur. Yeah. but we were really reliant on an outdoor space and before COVID we were primarily an indoor space we didn't have the parklet we only had three tables on the bridge town was wonderful and working with us and letting us put more tables out there we have 13 tables on the bridge and then which have, is fabulous w- to wonderful. sit out there by the water so right? no, and it's, it's so great. charming yeah. and it feels so European and, and it, it is definitely a win and the parklet also I feel like is a win because um, it brings people out tying the parklet into with the live on the avenue stuff that we did yeah. uh, we've been doing music for the last three summers not as structured as we did it this last summer. It was really well organized, and kudos, really was. kudos like, to town and, yeah. and and to Maddie who who headed that, and and of course Eric Gilman who was the sponsor for it. Before that, we were kind of doing it on our own. I was hiring bands to play across the street. I mean, whatever yeah. we could do, we were setting up outdoor bars. It was really a process of ingenuity and whatever we could do. But mm-hmm. the community totally loved it. They loved the street closures. They loved coming out and walking around little kids on their on their bikes people walking their dogs it's been it's created this this bigger sense of community that people are really out and mingling with each other they're seeing their neighbors they're sitting on the lawn listening to music they're getting a cocktail because it's been so long since we could do that right Right. and and we never had that kind of in the first place so Mm -hmm. we've really created a situation downtown and and again kudos to town for for running with this we've created a communal space people come out they know they're going to see their neighbors they can walk their dog their little kids it's 
they're out and about. They're not just shut in homes, feeling a little cut off from everybody. So it's been it's been charming. Yeah, one really. might say a little European. Very right? much so. Yeah, very much like Italy, where you can walk down the street, Absolutely. And just grab a table, and sit down and have some appetizers or, or whatever. Right? Absolutely, very different than yeah. what we've been used to. Which so. is and and here in San Simo, we have beautiful weather, so it's so nice to be able to utilize that. I mean, we even have great winters. We unfortunately don't get that much rain recently, yeah, but. Yeah. Even when we do, the next day you can use your outdoor space. So it's really wonderful. I mean, I hope it continues forever. It does have a very European feel, which is, which is in the spirit of people visiting with each other. And right up your alley. Too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. As an added bonus. Exactly. Right? For yeah. sure. For sure. Every time I come to San Somo, and I grew up in San Rafael and been here all my life for the most part, but San Somo has kind of like this unique quality. Whenever I come in, it just feels like it's community. It's total community. Like mm-hmm. Everybody, I park my car and I see people, they all know each other's names and they, oh, like, how's the kid doing or how's the, the soccer team doing and all that stuff. It seems like the business owners all sort of seem to get along, work together. Like when you guys do events and things like that, am, am I mistaken in that? Or, I mean, it, it seems like it's a real, it takes a village kind of town. You're correct in that assumption. There are a few outliers who just don't want any change, and I really Mm -hmm. feel like we're in a place, or have been for the last few years, that we have to embrace change. And I would say, for the most part, everyone does. I mean, there are people like Frank Gomez at Wink, and other shops that have just, whatever ideas we throw on the table, they're willing to try. And then there's those merchants who just don't. I mean, I can understand both sides, but I, I do think that for the betterment of the entire community, people need to kind of change their mindset and be open to yeah. new ideas and doing business slightly differently than we used to. And that's the whole COVID shakeup. You can't just keep doing, you can't keep selling crab at Fisherman's Wharf every right. day because there's nobody there, right? Right. So now what do you do? And it, it, it's exposed a lot of weaknesses in the industry too. And it's also, you know, we've had a couple restaurateurs say, the cream rises to the top. People who, who know what they're doing and can adapt and, and change on a dime and, and, and create, you know, customer-based experiences survive. The ones that can't, they don't. Just can't say, I'm going to be open from 12 to 5. It just doesn't work. Right. I mean, not We're when, not banks. Right. right. <laughs> you know, the banks are even closing. So, yes. I mean, everything has changed. All of our models have changed. I think you have to look at hours outside of regular business hours. You have to look at what you can provide. What other services can you give the community that's lacking? Like we started brunches that we don't have a lot of places. We do have a lot of places for little, little kids to mm-hmm. go with their parents when they wake up at six thirty-seven in the morning, you yeah. know, like your little ones do, but not so many places where you can have a slightly more elevated brunch experience. You could have a delicious Bloody Mary. Tony makes an amazing mix. It's the best I've ever had. <laughs> and, and just have something like a breakfast pizza or you know, poached eggs with polenta or something just a little bit more than mm-hmm. than your standard breakfast fare. So we'll see how it goes. Let's talk about your cocktail program because sure. uh, I don't think you have too many places in San Anselmo that have as broad of a cocktail program. Did you always have full liquor license? No, or? no, no. Okay. Um, and what was the strategy then behind? Sure. So we were wine and beer only for years and years and years. I opened in 98 down the street. We've been here since 2003. I always kind of felt like we needed a more sophisticated adult space for cocktails. Mm-hmm. There's not a bar on San Anselmo Avenue at all. We have a few on Sir Francis Drake, but I really wanted something really beautiful and welcoming and an adult space with a, a good cocktail program. I yeah. always just thought it would be such a great fit for Kachina and wanted to do it for a long time. Finally was able to take over the additional space and, and break through and that was huge. And construction's never fun, and I second-guessed myself yeah. day and night. 
In fact, I even had servers say, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we got it open, and that was in, I think we only had it open for a year before COVID. So again, yeah. you know, you're questioning like, oh my gosh, what have we done? But I absolutely love the space. I think it's wonderful. It's really brought a whole other element to Has downtown. Yeah. We have, I mean, we're very family oriented. We have a lot of people coming with their kids, but we also have people coming in for a first date, couples coming in to celebrate 50th anniversaries and we can really accommodate all of that now Mm -hmm. we even have a space above the bar a small little mezzanine area that's a wonderful little gathering space if somebody wants to do a small cocktail party so I like having lots of venues and lots of different ways we can provide entertainment to people well, and Italian cocktails are all the rage, right? Absolutely. Now too, right? Yep. And, and also, probably translated pretty easily to, to go. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Italian cocktails are not typically overly fussy. And, right. The, you know, the Aperol Spritz. Sure, the Negroni. Negroni. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect examples. Right. And, uh, and they're good. You know, you're not making egg white or, or whatever. So that really right. makes a, a big difference. And again, cocktail Italian cocktails are on fire. Yeah. I mean, we, we very much all, so. You know, mm-hmm. Even the, the Campari spritz has come back. Right. The Aperol spritz. What's the spag? Uh, and you can correct me on this. What is it? Spagliato. Yes. It means poorly made. Yes. And it was originally. Does it really mean that? Yes. It does. Wow. So the, the story goes that a bartender, I don't even know where, was making a Negroni and he mistakenly grabbed Prosecco instead of gin. So it's called a Negroni Spagliato. Right. <laughs> but of course, it became super famous this week with um, the act actor from, uh, yeah, from House of, Game of House Thrones. of Dragon, House of Dragon. Yeah, yeah. saying it in her beautiful little accent like right. Negroni Spaglia. So that's a Spagliato. So <laughs> so all of those are great. It's funny great. because uh, uh, when, when we Kevin and I came here for a happy hour a little while back and I ordered a cocktail with Cochi Americano mm-hmm. and, and no one understood what I was saying because I was pronouncing it incorrectly. And it's one of those words that I don't say out loud very often. Sure. I've read it a million times. But how do you pronounce it? Cochi. Cochi. But I mean, any American reading that word would say Cochi. Right. They would, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. It's we Our pronunciation for combinations of letters are different. It's always funny. You know, in California, you tend to pronounce everything with a Spanish accent. Yes. Uh, question we ask uh, most people, it's one of those, well, it's not a basic question because you have to put a lot of thought into it. What's your favorite part of the job? Hands down, the contact with my clientele, interacting with customers. I've had the fortune of being here for a really long time, so I go really far back with my customers. I know some of them before they had children, before they were married. They're coming in now with their two kids or they're grown and they're coming back from college. I love that connection to me is, is the most rewarding part of my job. Absolutely love it. Well, that's the basis of the restaurant business. For right? sure. And, and building those connections and continuing to build those connections. Again, 25 years is a long time yep. to be, especially in San Anselmo, which yep. is a small community. And it's not exactly on, well, it is on a thoroughfare, but people often drive by it. It's pretty sleepy. Right? It's pretty mm-hmm. sleepy. When I was moving from San Francisco 25 years ago, I had a lot of restaurant friends say, why are you opening a Marin? It's, it's just a dead zone, you know? Mm-hmm. I had faith and it's paid off. So don't worry about tomorrow. Please join us next time when we welcome Tonya Pitts, the newly minted wine star by Wine Enthusiast Magazine and the sommelier and wine director of One Market Restaurant in San Francisco. My name is Jeff Burkhardt. Thanks for listening.